Michelle talked about this a little bit two weeks ago, and Dan followed up with it last week. I know for sure because I did listen to Dan's sermon from last week, so I'm not making this up. But uh, he talked about how verses 7 through like 14 in the original Greek, which, you know, all of us that know the original Greek, I pretend like I know. Um, I know very little, but I do know enough to know this. That 7 through 14 is like a complete run-on sentence. You guys know people that talk in run-on sentences. You know the people I'm talking about that are really excited all the time. They talk really fast like this, like this, like this, and it never ends. I'm not like that. My wife constantly complains that I talk very slowly. So I'm the exact opposite of that. But you know people that I'm talking about that are constantly, it's like a run-on sentence, right? Well, that's what that's how Paul was speaking in those verses that Dan uh, talked about last week. And if anybody remembers, correctly or remembers what Dan said is because Paul was so excited about what he was talking about that he just kept going kept going kept going um, so Dan last week talked about how we are redeemed from our sin and from death right and what does the word redeem mean anybody remember it's another R word when he played the clip from the movie I don't the movie's escaping me right now anybody remember Avengers, that's right. So Dan equated the word redeem to the word rescue, right? So if we're, if, if we're facing death or we're facing um, something that we need rescuing from, that's how you can think of the word redeem. Uh, so, so God redeems us. He also reveals his plan to us. Um, we also, uh, after that step, we receive an inheritance from him, from him, right? We're co-heirs with Christ, the Bible says. So we receive an inheritance from God as his children. And then lastly, um, Dan mentioned in the verses that we, that we looked at last week, uh, that our salvation is secure and it's sealed in the Holy Spirit. So I know um, he kind of went through that quickly last week, but that's kind of to sum up uh, what he talked about. So why don't we stand up, if you have your Bible... Well, everybody stand up. But if you have your Bible, we're going to start reading in verse 15. And again, just think about the context. Paul's just gone through this whole run-on sentence about being so excited about what he's talking about. And then he comes to this, this verse right here in verse 15. He says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. For the that the, that the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance to the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward, who, toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might. Verse 20. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the, in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's pray. 
Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, just your salvation, Father. Just the fact that you would want to have a relationship with any of us, Father. Um, given things, how we've sinned, Father. Uh, the fact that you can forgive that sin and that you made a way for us to have a relationship with you. We just praise you for it and we thank you for your word, Father, that you communicate with us. You don't want to just have a relationship with us, Father, but you want us to learn about you, Father, and you give, you've given us your word to learn about you. We just praise you for it and we thank you for this day. In your name, amen. All right, y'all can have a seat. So, that was a lot of verses that we read through, and if I had my choice, I'd probably spend like half of... Like half of these verses on one sermon, then a half in the in another sermon. But we'll kind of we'll try and get through all of them today, and I promise we won't stay here too late tonight. But looking at verses 15 and 16 specifically, let's read those one more time. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So this is Paul. Remember, he's talking to the church that meets in the city of Ephesus. And he begins these verses by explaining to them that he has so much gratitude for them and why. So why does he have this much gratitude for them? He starts the verses saying, for this reason. So for what reason? We've got to go back and look at some of the verses that Dan talked about last week to figure this out. And I don't think I have these on the screen, but that's my bad. But he says, for this reason. And what reason is he talking about? So if we look back at the previous verses, we can see. Looking at verse 13. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. So, from those verses, we can see that Paul is saying that he gives thanks. He gives thanks for this church because they are sealed in the Holy Spirit. So it goes back to that last point that Dan talked about last week when he says, uh, when he said that our salvation is secure. It's been sealed in the Holy Spirit. So, the church at Ephesus is sealed in the Holy Spirit because of that God, or Paul gives thanks for them continuously. So what does it mean to be sealed in the Holy Spirit? That's my first question for you guys. What do you guys think that means? Be sealed in the Holy Spirit. And how can people see that in our lives? Let's, let's try that one first. How can people see that we are sealed in the Holy Spirit? Do I look any different? Like, do I have any sort of badge or anything that I wear. I mean, I guess I could, right? I could make a little sealed on the Holy Spirit badge. I should have done that. But what, is it, what does that mean? If you remember last time I was here, which I'm not expecting you to, I talked about Romans chapter 12. And the, yeah. You basically covered him with stickers. Thank you. That's right. Don't you remember when I covered the guy with stickers? And what were, what was on the stickers? I know I look completely different than back then. You probably didn't even recognize me. Not what it takes to be a Christian, but what it looks like when you're following Christ and living for Him. It's called the true marks of a Christian. So if you truly follow Christ, these are some of the things that it's going to look like in your life. I wish I had something to give you. Here is a guitar pick. You have to ask permission if you can have that. Because it's not mine. Uh, But looking at these verses here... 
This church is sealed with the Holy Spirit. They are living out the gospel like the Bible says that we should. And Paul can see it in their lives. So that's why he says he's giving thanks for them. There's other churches that Paul writes to in uh, the New Testament. You can read those books where um, he's really correcting them. And they're doing things the wrong way. So he has to correct them. This is one church where he does provide some correction later in the book. But for the most part, they're doing things the right way. And they're living out um, the Christianity following Christ the way that they should. So, two things here. In looking at these verses, Paul says, number one, that he has heard about their faith in Jesus. So it's not just that he has seen it in their lives, but he hears about it. So people are talking about the church at Ephesus, and they can see and they talk about the things that the church is doing. So number one, their faith is known throughout lots of different areas because Paul has never been to Ephesus at this point. So their faith is known to other regions. So tell me about in, you, in your lives, who do you think of when you think of a person that is totally living out uh, what Christ, how Christ wants them to live and is totally living out their faith? Who do you hear about? Like think about famous people that you know are really faithful or you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Tim Tebow, that's a good example. My wife does not like that example. She's a Georgia Bulldog fan. But we're okay with that. Anybody else? Anybody really famous that you can think of? I think of Billy Graham. I don't know about you guys. What about in your own personal lives? Maybe not a famous person. Who do you think of when you think about, oh, this person's really living faithfully, and I can see that God's really at work in their life? Anybody? Yeah. Dad. I'll tell him you said that. <laughs> I was going to say, in my in my mind, he's one of the people that I think about. Because um, I was just like you guys. I was in his youth group and studied under him for, I don't know, a long time. And when I think about people that really live and act on what God wants them to do, so God tells them to do something and then they do it. They're obedient to him. He's one of the people that I think about. There's other people in my life, obviously, and you guys have people too. But when I read these verses and see how Paul thinks about this church and says, hey, they're doing things the right way, I think about people like Dan and say, hey, they're doing things the right way too. But there's a second thing that he says here in, uh, in, in these verses, uh, and you'll see it in verse, where is it? Verse 15. Paul says that he's heard of their faith in Jesus and their love towards the saints. So one of the ways that you're going to show and and that if we want to uh, truly live the way that Christ wants us to live is that we're going to love each other. So that goes totally with what we talked about last time I was here with Romans chapter 12. We don't have time to read that tonight, but if you want to go back and, and read those verses and see, you know, some of the actions that we should take when we're loving other people, um, that, those, that would be a great place to start. So, and I think I quoted this verse last time too, but Paul mentions that they love the saints, and we know that Jesus said also that that's very important in John thirteen thirty five. I think this is on the screen. Yep. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So how are people going to know that we're a disciple of Christ? If we love one another. And the next verse, I want somebody to read it because I feel like I'm talking so much, but James chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. Do I give you that one or no? Okay. Who wants to read this one for me? Guitar pick. Read it for me. Help me. 
Yes. Okay. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. All right. So what do those verses say? It says, it really talks about material things. So if somebody's lacking food, if they're lacking clothing, then we should give them those things, and we should give them that through the love of Christ. Um, but the last part of that verse, faith by itself without works is dead. Does that mean that you have to do A, B, and C if you're going to be a, tr- uh, a true follower of Christ and truly be forgiven? No, it doesn't. But it means that because you are forgiven and you have that love of Christ in you, it should lead you to do things for other people and to do works for Christ. All right. So how are people going to know that we have true faith within us? How are they going to know that? They can't see a big badge on our shirt, although if I had a badge, that would really do it. But huh? I would look cool with a badge. Yes, I would. But how are people going to know? How are they going to know? Two things that we talked about. Our love for one another. And people are going to hear about it. So Paul heard about their faith. So obviously when we're loving other people and people can see that there's a difference in us, they're going to say, oh, they're going to say, look at that cool kid or look at that weird kid. It depends on what group you're talking to. But they're going to know that something's different about us. All right. Second part, jumping into verses 17 and 18. Um, let's read there one more time. I know we read it earlier, but let's read it again. And this is kind of weird because... This is another one of those run-on sentences. So 17 kind of picks up in the middle of the verse, but we'll pick there. We'll pick up there anyways. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. So those are the two verses we're gonna, uh, that we're going to stick with. But it's important to, to kind of catch the tail end of verse 16. So Paul is praying for these things for the church at, uh, that meets at Ephesus. So what are the things he's praying for? Paul is praying for uh, the church to grow, number one, in wisdom. Number two, to grow in the revelation of the knowledge of God. And number three, that the eyes of their hearts will be enlightened. So do we want those same things? Do we want to have wisdom? Probably. Do we want to have Revelation and the knowledge of God, which we'll talk about a little bit. Just say yes. Sounds good. And do we want the eyes of our heart to be enlightened by the gospel and by the word of God? I think that probably all of us in this room would probably say yes. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't be here tonight. Um, so let's think about those things as we're looking at these verses. Paul sees their faith, but he still prays for these things. So as I mentioned, the church, at, that the, the Ephesian church is doing things the right way. Does that mean that they're good to go. They don't need to learn. They don't need to grow in their faith. No. Paul is praying here that they would continue to grow in their faith. So that doesn't mean you know, just the fact just the fact that they're doing things the right way doesn't mean it stops there. It continues on. And, and Paul is praying here that they would grow and continue in that. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 2 says, Desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. Anybody want to take a stab at what does that mean in context of these verses? Desire without knowledge is not good. What does that mean? Just because we want to serve Christ and we want to love Him, 
but we don't know anything about him. Does that make any sense at all? So think about it this way. We want to do great things, right? We want to be a good person. But why do we want to do those things? That's, that's another way of, of looking at it. Because Christ has loved us and shared his love with us, that's why we want to share it with other people. Not because we want to look good or be able to earn a badge that we can wear and look cool. Uh, but we want to do those things because he's commanded us to do this because he loves us. So think about that. And that's kind of what this verse is saying. That desire without knowledge is not good. So we desire to do these things, but we don't know why we want to do them. And whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. It's really talking about think about your motives for the way that you're doing things or the, the reason that you're doing things and uh, make sure that your motives are clear. So this is Paul's, uh, Paul kind of reminds the church of this here. Hey, I hear about the great things that you guys are doing. Here's a reminder to kind of check yourselves every now and then and make sure your motives are still what they should be. That's kind of where these verses are. And then the last part of this verse, what we talked about, um, is that, uh, let's see. So having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So I know last week Dan talked a little bit about the inheritance that we would gain as uh, as children of God. So what were some of the things that he talked about? I know you guys probably won't remember, but uh, he referenced Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, which uh, talks about peace that surpasses all understanding. Do you guys remember him saying that? So that's one of the things that we will inherit as children of God is a peace uh, that surpasses all understanding. So when things are going on that we don't understand in our lives, we've got this unexpected peace that comes in because we're, we're children of God and He grants that to us. Uh, he also mentioned that we have a purpose for living. So when we, uh, the inheritance that we obtain as children of, of God is that we now have a purpose for living whereas before what were we doing? We were kind of all over the place. So God gives us that purpose. So these verses, again, echo that and just says uh, that Paul wants them to have their hearts enlightened so that they can see this inheritance and what it means in their lives. So that's kind of what he's saying here. The final verses that we're going to talk about. So the first thing that we talked about is, hey, this church is doing a great job. They're doing things the right way. The second part that we talked about is, hey, every once in a while we need to check our motives and make sure that they're really in line with uh, with wanting to serve Christ. And the third part that we're going to talk about, these are, this is the last verses here, so we're kind of wrapping up. Um, is why do we want to do all this? So reading reading verses 19 through 23. It says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? So remember that, according to the working of his great might. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So why do we want to serve this God? Paul's saying in these verses, because he has done things that are so great and so amazing, that's why we want to serve Him. And Paul's saying that when we are faithful to Him and when we are trusting in Him and when our motives are right, when we're doing things for the right reason, that same power that raised Christ from the dead is going to work in our lives as well. Uh, so that's what he's praying for for the church here. Um, 
And so what, one question that I wrote down here is that, uh, or one comment that I wrote down here is, a promise is only as good as the person, uh, as the person's ability to fulfill it. What does that mean? A promise is only good as the person's ability to fulfill it. I'll give you an example. I'm going to give you a million dollars. Do you believe me? Do I look like I have a million dollars? <laughs> Think carefully how you answer that question. What if I do? Millionaire. I look like a millionaire. There you go. Here's your million. <laughs> But, but really, when you think about that concept, uh, God is who he says he is, right? Has God in the Bible ever proven uh, to not fulfill a promise that he's made? Can anybody think of any examples? Uh, I don't think so either. So God fulfills his promises. Uh, so when you think about the promise that he makes in these verses, the promise that that power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that saved you from your sin, that's kind of awesome to think about. Imagine how that power can transform our lives and what that can do through us. Just take a second to think about that. Um, I already went through this question that I wrote down, but how many examples can we see from Scripture where God fulfills His promises? They're all over the place. And then you can think about your own life as well. Uh, examples where God has proven to be faithful to you um, or faithful to your family through you know, the obstacles that you guys have gone through. But if you think about that, think about who you're putting your trust in. It's the, the God who keeps His promises and fulfills His promises. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, so uh, kind of my, my sum-up point here, and I know that we've talked through a lot of these verses, and it's kind of some, some difficult things to talk about. Um, but thinking about that power that's working in you, that should make us feel something. If, if, you, know what I'm, if you know what I'm saying, raise your hand. I want to see some hands raised. That should make us feel different about ourselves. Does that make sense? If we read in the Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. So what that means is that that power that's in us should transform us from people that are fearful about what God may ask us to do and not living up to those standards to people uh, that believe that God is going to do a great work within us. So that should give us confidence that the God that we serve and the God that we believe in has that power, and that's the same power that, that works within us. And then the last set of verses that I wrote down here, and this just kind of talks about how do we, you know, how do we realize that power in our lives? How do we, uh, how do we, you know, obtain that power and use that power? I sound like I'm talking about like a superhero movie here, but I'm, I promise I'm not. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses five and seven says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So what do we have to do to obtain that power and to have that power work in our lives? All we got to do is trust in Him. That's what He says right here. These verses say, What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ in our lives, not ourselves. It's not our own power. It's His power. Uh, and, 
And God has made us that light that shines in the darkness. So when we're when we're going out of this place today, I want you to remember that. To remember that, hey, here's an example of of people that are really doing things the right way. So these people, the Church of Ephesus, they were doing things the right way. Paul writes to them. He's grateful for them. We have people in our own lives that we're grateful for that we can look to that are doing things the right way. He reminds them, though, to, hey, remember why you do the things that you do. And then lastly, he reminds reminds them, hey, this is the power that's at work within you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that's at work within you. So think about that in your own lives, and I know that we all have different things that we go through every day and different struggles that we have, but God has given us the power to overcome those struggles and to meet those challenges uh, and, to, and to be a light for Him. And that's really the purpose of what we're here for. So let me pray for you guys, and I think we'll be done for tonight. Father God, we just thank you for your word, and we just thank you for uh, your awesome power, Father, and your power that that raised Christ from the dead, Father. We thank you for that power, Father. We thank you for our salvation and the fact that that power is at work within us. We pray that we would we would see that power, Father, and we would see you working with us within us on a daily basis, Father. Pray that we would just um, just glorify you with everything that we have in every area of our lives, Father. And I pray for right now for every person in this room, Father. I know that not everyone is in the best place that they want to be in in their relationship with you, Father. I pray for those uh, that maybe are not in the place that they want to be in right now. And they're not uh, being as faithful to you as, as they want to be, Father, and, and what you want us to be. I pray for those people especially, Father, that you would just remind them that that power is in them as well, Father. Uh, and that you are so worthy, Father, of, of, our, of our service. Father, we are um, we are just so grateful to even be considered servants of yours, Father. I pray that you would just give us the strength, Father, to glorify you, to bring uh, to bring praise to your name every day, Father, and to lead others to you. And I pray that this group this group of students, Father, would be known as a group whose faith is strong, Father, so that other people hear about their the the faith that they have in you, Father, and the things that they do, uh, the, the way that they help other people and love other people, Father. I pray that 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 would be evident in their lives and in the lives of those that see them, Father. Pray bless your name. Amen.